Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Saved for Later from Guardian Australia, a podcast about internet culture and the tabs our brains just cannot close. I'm Michael Sun, and this week I am not joined by Alex Gorman, my regular co-host. She's on a very well-deserved break. I am, in fact, joined by an extremely special guest, the Guardian Australia's reporter and our resident TikToker, Matilda Posley. Thank you. Thank you. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. I'm here. It's all good. As someone who is extremely internet famous and also extremely brainwormed, I could not think of anyone better to help me discuss the galaxy brain of the internet with me on this podcast today. I'm excited to discuss the internet and culture. It's where I live. It's a terminal illness. We will never be cured. And make sure you stick around because coming up later, famous TikTok comedian Tom Carty joins us to tell us all about his overnight success. I lived in fear. No one wants to put their own face on the internet because people will be mean to you. The internet's a horrible place. Or, as I found, a very nice place for me. But first, Matilda, I have a question for you this week that is literally life or death. We are talking about our own chances of survival in this dark and twisted world. Matilda, did you know that a vibe shift is coming? I felt it in my bones, much like an arthritic person who can feel a rainstorm coming in their joints. I knew it was there, but I didn't I didn't have the words to put to it until I read this cut article. And it filled me with a deep fear. And then immediately I realized that fear was very silly and I stopped feeling afraid. So this cut article that you mentioned, it's an article that was published last week. It's called A Vibe Shift is Coming, Will Any of Us Survive It? It's by Alison P. Davis, and it basically went completely bonkers on the internet. I saw it all over my feed. You saw it all over your feed, I'm assuming. We wrote an entire newsletter about it last weekend as well. That was all about the vibe shift. But... Let's talk about what the vibe shift even is. Let's talk about what vibes even are. You know, a few months ago, how we the whole internet went crazy about the word chuggy, which meant sort mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. out of date. Yeah. Um, and we all pretended like the kids were saying it, but it was only adults writing think pieces about the term chuggy. I think absolutely to simplify it, a vibe shift is the moment that the present moves into the chuggy. You know, it's it's the moment <laughs> when you wake up and all of the like that girl, it girl fashion girlies are suddenly out of date. Exactly. It's a moment when you wake up and you realise that you are no longer it. You realise that all the 17-year-olds on TikToks are wearing and saying completely different things and then suddenly you're like, wow, like I'm 
I've aged out. I'm old. It's the moment where the entire world is collectively traumatized together by a ravaging virus and many people die and then all of a sudden we're like, feels a bit weird now. To boil it all down, this article gets the term from a man called Sean Monaghan, who is a trend forecaster, and he runs this art collective essentially analysing everything that's happening in the world and then spits it out in terms of, like, exactly what's cool at any one point. This article explains him saying that there have been three major vibes so far in the past decade. I think we can probably use these three to kind of have an idea of what vibes actually are, where they have been, and where they are going. Yes, can you walk them through? Because I was not cool in high school, and I, like, overcompensated for that by, like, just wearing Dangerfield and um, pretending uh, that I had my own personal style when really I didn't. So the first era, the first vibe that Monaghan describes is indie sleeves kind of taking place in the late noughties. Um, We're talking, like, arcade fire. We're talking block party. We're talking, you know, mosh pits, people getting sweaty in a club. Um, It's the era where indie white men reign supreme. Were you a part of this vibe? I mean, I was 13, so that did Mm -hmm. dampen it a little bit. Yeah. But I think so. Like, maybe I never moved on from the indie sleaze vibe. Mine was more like cottagecore, like beautiful. Before cottagecore, we had a word for it, you know, just like a small woman living in a field who hadn't, like, heard about the Industrial Revolution. That was, like, what I was going for. But then, like, also wearing Doc Martens so that people knew I was bisexual. But maybe this was my era and I was just too young. I didn't even know about alcohol back then, you know? I've missed out. (laughs) From that, though, I feel like we then move into three or four years of what Monaghan calls post-internet slash techno revival. Um, So he defines this era, which is actually, I feel like, quite a sprawling era with trends like normcore, a trend like dressing like the Matrix, um, artists like Blood Orange... I would say that this is probably like the loosest defined vibe of all of them because it's almost like a collection of vibes. I think I was very much in like the twee, tumbler, hipster, subculture aesthetic at that time. So maybe I kind of just missed normcore happening. I was still like very much in the kind of trying to be a hipster type. I was never on Tumblr, unfortunately, which is a shocking admission to make in my life in general. But I had a lot of friends who I like looked up to, wanted to be them so badly, and they were all fully, fully, fully in their normcore era. Like I would see them and envy their in- extremely large collection of just like dad jeans and grey t-shirts and New Balances. Like this era, Monaghan defines as kind of a reaction against the maximalism of the indie sleeves era. People were kind of going, you know, like I don't. I don't want to be sweaty anymore. Um, now we're all just buying everything from American Apparel in its um, in its dying days. Yeah, the American Apparel like clearance sales really defined the mm-hmm. years to come, didn't they? Exactly. At the cost of our sanity and dignity, I would say. Um, I think the day that American Apparel shut down its Sydney store was probably the best day that could have happened for my mental health. 
Then the third vibe of the last decade is the hype beast slash woke era. This is the one that we're currently in. It's from 2016 to around 2020, some blurred lines there. It's the last big vibe that's happened. It's Drake being extremely Drake. It's Kanye, it's the Yeezys, it's the sneaker fetish, it's virtue signaling. It's people wearing their politics on their sleeve. It's like, it's literally every single thing that that's happened in the past five years can be classified as hype beast slash woke. It's interesting that we kind of, it's hard to define the end of the hype beast era because obviously the pandemic starts. And I know at least personally for me, that meant, I, I mean, I changed jobs right at the exact same time to be here at The Guardian. So suddenly I went from, you know, being full to toe, waking up at 4.30 in the morning to do a full face of makeup to suddenly, you know, being in my room all day in pyjamas and like writing on my laptop and had this sort of weird like year and a half to year and a half-ish of like, being in a, like a little chrysalis. And then I kind of came out of that emerging, just like deciding to be silly and goofy on the internet. And that's been really good and rewarding. And then I dyed half my hair blonde and now I dress for dopamine is a thing that uh, is now what people are calling it, where you just wear whatever you want and you hope for the best. And I'm proud of you. And that's your personal vibe shift. I've been through my own personal vibe shift here. I mean, where I think I think these happen on a micro level as well. And you're right, you should say it. So, I mean, you're on top of it. You've been following the vibes. What does the new vibe entail? Like we've gone from we've the vibes shifted. What are we in now? Look, I feel like short answer is like no one knows. Um, in this in this article by Alison P. Davis, there's like a substantial interview with the trend forecaster who started it all, where he's kind of just like waffling and like saying a bunch of random stuff um, without quite being able to pin down what the vibe is. But let me give you some choice quotes from his theorization. He's like, you know, I feel like the trajectory of the 2010s has been exhausted. The culture wars no longer seem interesting to people. Social media also seems less interesting because it's already been hacked so much that people have every single angle figured out. Um, there's this like whole thing where he's theorizing about perhaps it's all about a return to indie sleeves. Perhaps it's a return to the hedonism of the late aughts where people are just going out and getting drunk and getting crunk, as Kesha would say, and taking high contrast flash photography in the club every night. Can I posit my galaxy brain theory about the vibe shift? Please do. Galaxy brain is all this podcast is about. I think the fact that we are aware of the vibe shift and that we're talking about vibes and, you know, this is a conversation that we're more and more having is the death of vibes. So hear me out. I maybe maybe I'm wishful thinking, but because we're analyzing what we're wearing now, because we're talking about oh this is Y2K revival, like in the moment. Oh, this is you know indie sleeves revival in the moment. It shortens the time frame because people become aware of it and then they start looking for the next thing because everyone wants to be, you know, on the cusp. Mm -hmm. When previously people were like right in the middle thinking they were on the cusp, now we're aware that we're not. So trends are accelerating. Like we had, you know, Y2K revival, then all of a sudden Taylor Swift puts out the red album and now all of a sudden we're talking about like the 2014's revival and it got to the point of there was Twee Revival, a conversation about that. So, like, Twee is, like, Zoe Deschanel, you know, big bows on dresses and, like, little ukuleles. There was a point where people were talking about the Twee Revival and then 
three days later, people were like, well, actually, Twee was this, this, and this, and maybe it wasn't that size inclusive. And, oh, you guys are all trying to bring Twee back. It's just hipster. Like, are we really trying to do this? And by the time the packages full of clothes arrived at the fashion girlies' houses, Twee was done. Like, we have reached terminal trend velocity. And that's why I just, like, I totally see where the idea that indie sleaze is the next thing that's coming from. Like, you see a bunch of skincare brands now, like Emma Chamberlain's skincare brand is all about, like, you know, and a bunch of other ones are all like, oh, 4 a.m. This is the skincare you do when you like get home from the club, mm-hmm, like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. We're moving away from like holistic that girl territory. But like, I don't think Indie Sleaze is going to last. I think it's got like a couple of months and then we'll have moved on to the next thing. And eventually when we're getting to this terminal velocity of trends, there kind of is no other option than to focus less on trends and focus more on personal style and something that will outlive trends and you can live outside the trend cycle. And maybe this is wishful thinking because it's also like environmentally terrible how fast trends are going at the moment. Mm. But like I wonder if the fact that we're making a podcast about the vibe shift right now is a sign that the vibe maybe has shifted beyond the point of no return. I'm going to literally go one step further and in that galaxy brain and say that perhaps that in and of itself is the new vibe. The fact that we don't have these touchstones anymore of, oh, here's the dominant vibe. Let's all dress like Zoe Deschanel or let's all dress like Kesha. The fact that we don't have these dominant vibe guardrails to guide us now or to guide, quote unquote, society at large. I think that in and of itself is the new vibe. Matilda, will we survive the vibe shift? No. (laughs) No, Loveheart. Coming up, I sit down with Australia's favourite TikTok musician. I am flying solo, so I'm very happy that this beloved star is dropping by to keep me company. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. We have a very special guest with us today. He's TikTok royalty. He's a musical comedian. He literally has a million followers on TikTok and two tracks from his album, Artificial Intelligence, landed in the top 20 of this year's Triple J Hottest 100. I don't say it yet. What's coming to you live from his famous, famous basement? I can see the entire view behind you right now. Tom Cardi, how are you? I'm very well, and it is a pleasure to be here in your loneliest hour. 
to console you when you have no one else. But anyway, how are you? It's giving therapy. I'm so good, Tom. <laughs> Very glad to be chatting to you. As I said, you are TikTok royalty, <laughs> but I want to talk about the origins of your fame because I feel like I remember one specific video that you posted that kind of just like blew up overnight, right? That's right. So before that, I've been doing some like improv and teaching improv. So certainly in the comedy world, um, doing skits for like uh, for other people mostly, doing music for um, other comedians and mm. stuff. Never really doing doing much f- for myself because I was scared. I lived in fear. No one wants to put their own face on the internet because people will be mean to you. The internet's a horrible place. Or as I found, a very nice place for me. So I put up a video of me doing the Hollow Notes song, and but when instead of saying um, what you want, or whatever that lyric is, I said that. I'm a c- and wow, wonderful. Guess what? Australia loves that word. And the, I got the biggest thing I put on Instagram and TikTok. And interestingly enough, Instagram um, brown cardigan, which is the like Australian like culture sort of like joke uh, accounts uh, over any social platform, they reshared it and they people really loved it. And I think it really went well with their brand. So even though people love that video in itself, mm. it just flew from there. And they even reposted it, which is like uh, a very honor honorable title. So then over like, that week, I think I got like 20,000 followers on Instagram and yeah, the TikTok blew up. It, it was it was very wild. What did it kind of feel like to be the recipient of that quote-unquote overnight success? Can I say that at the time, I felt no pressure. I thought it was just really cool because mm-hmm. also in me, yeah. I didn't like want to, I was hungry to like keep pushing. I really wanted to capitalize, but there wasn't any like fear in like, oh, can I get that again? Because I was just so sure that like, okay, that's just, it's a bit of a fluke. It was lucky that it was a, Mm. like, think of it analytically. It was a song that everyone knew and covers kind of work better. Just people listen to them longer. It was short. It was so people could like share it and rewatch it. It was um, snappy and it was just, the joke was apparently good. People just like seem to really like and share it with their friends. So I was like, look, you're not going to get that Again, it was a fluke, but you still can try hard and see if the other stuff works. So I'm glad that I didn't have too many like unrealistic hopes. Like I thought that I was going to be able to get something that shareable and like viral immediately. Luckily enough, after a while, I got like some longer videos that did really well. So I was like, uh, and if anything, those are the ones that made me think, hmm, okay, this is like, I'd say they're like two bumps in my overnight sort of successy sort of thing. Yeah. And this, after the second time, I was like, uh, maybe I do have to. Maybe I can catch this again. It started to erode my mind. <laughs> Look at this photograph. Every time I do it makes me laugh. Ha 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 ha. It's a dog in a bath. Oh, that's so funny. I do kind of want to bring it back even further because I feel like Tom bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back further. I feel like I must have met you at uni, question mark, I think it was, or like maybe around the same time when we were going to the same uni and you were obviously in all the reviews, you were campus's hottest comedian, you were in sketch comedy, you were also in a band called the Lulu Rays at the time, I remember. So you'd been working on this kind of like both music and comedy side for a while. Mm. What made you start wanting to like kind of post that on Instagram and TikTok? Like what made you want to give that a try? Well, you know, we're, we're all locked in our houses a lot. Mm-hmm. But 
I just like love the comedy music and I never thought I could actually do it. But I started to do, uh, when people locked inside, birthday songs for people on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a lot of confidence in my own performance skills on my singing. So, but I was just doing like, because I had nothing to bloody do. So I made like a 30 second or however long Instagram allows you for a story. And I just tagged someone. I'd sing a personal song for them and I'd make a little, like, because the production is what I love doing, like putting a lot of production in. And I thought at the start, I was like, oh, this is a bit egotistical because it's like, what am I think my face on a like, little song is going to make someone else happy. It seems it's all about me or something. People really loved it. That was me sort of like belittling myself, which I which I love to do. But people were like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't go out and everyone's really sad. So I was like, oh, people kind of like these short, kind of things and it just gave me confidence and I slowly got more and more confidence until I just put the videos out and I'm and I'm really glad that they were received well especially on TikTok because TikTok just shares your videos without you even having a follower base and mm. I think I, got, I was so lucky that the first few did at least a little bit well. Otherwise, I would be like, nah, stuff this. I'm not, I'm not trying. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what has almost become like the common story that I hear about people who have made it big on TikTok is that because of the way that the TikTok algorithm works where it doesn't just share like the biggest content. It literally, it quite literally shares posts from people who have like two followers just in an effort to, I guess, for them to create the image that anyone can blow up. Um, and then that creates these like these like micro celebrities out of people who are just starting out on the platform. 100% because it does send your video, at least at the start, to like four people. And then it says, if these people watch it for more than like three seconds, it's going to send it to more. You don't have to have any follower base at all. So... You know, mm. if if you're standing there and just kind of standing there staring at the camera because you just want to get famous, you're probably not going to get famous. So you don't feel hurt that you just people don't just like you for the sake of it. But if you're like, oh, I make cakes or something like that, and you actually have like some cool shit or like, you know, yeah, you play music or you do art or something and you want to show it, then people will probably be interested because that platform does reward sort of, you know, skill or interesting niche stuff. Unfortunately, I have no discernible talents to speak of, which is why oh, I avoid the don't platform. Don't you dare, like the Michael, you are I'm a very talented young Tom. man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a talented podcaster, and I'm sure TikTok <laughs> is going to lap that up when I get on there. Um, but speaking of TikTok, you know, like you have essentially built this huge following on there. But now I'm wondering, like now that you've made more and more music and you're writing a lot more original music, how much do you actually think about the mechanics of the platform when you write? Like, do you think about whether whether something is, is going to go off on TikTok itself? I think I certainly do think about the platforms because I've branched off to other ones partly because you, TikTok doesn't pay in Australia. There's creator funds for different countries, but Australia is mm. not part of the creator fund. So unless you do branded content, which I particularly don't like to do, then you can't make money off TikTok purely off TikTok. So I really like, you know, YouTube because you can uh, advertise and stuff. So I have spanned out to like Twitter and Instagram and Reddit and stuff like that. But when I'm making something, I'm often like, oh, that's a one line joke. Or you can get away with just like a five second, a six second thing. That is TikTok. Instagram, a little bit. Twitter, sure, if it's shareable. But even then, it's, it sounds boring and stuff, but this is the sort of thing that you think about. Twitter, say, doesn't um, automatically play sound. Mm. So there's just this little psychological thing that if someone shares a video on Twitter, less people are going to listen to it immediately because it's an effort to click on the sound. TikTok is made to be like, next, you're just consuming every, every, everything. So you can, if something's quick and to the point and it has music, it'll serve really well. So when I think about TikTok, 
I think about one little short idea. If I think about, if I have an idea for a long thing, I'll think like YouTube, usually. Say more. Tell me about the videos you put on other platforms as well. So on Reddit, I put Businessman, which was like a one minute song. And that probably one of the first like longer ones that really went off. I'm a businessman with a business plan. I'm going to make you money in business land. I'm a cool guy. And I'm so glad that I did because that did really well. Businessman in a coffee shop with a loaded pistol and a bulletproof vest. And there was another one called Future of Humanity, which was my first time using a vocoder. There was a giant meteorite. It blew a hole in the earth. Very cool, make me do robot voice. And that was a nice long kind of boogie. I guess Reddit would be more akin to like a YouTube. It's like the middle. It's like you're scrolling, you're sort of just looking what's new, what are you going to give me? Um, but it also is a bit more, you're sitting in a community, you're consuming a bit more, like you're actually deciding. I'm also quite curious as to the quote-unquote brand of your jokes, I would say, and I hate to use that word because personal brand, it's... Mm, it's no, so no, 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 no. If anyone can use brand, Mr. Sun, I believe you can. <laughs> I do also get uncomfortable sometimes when people talk about brands, but you get to a stage and maybe you can talk about brands yeah. because I have friggin' merchandise. Can you believe that? I have shirts. You actually are a brand. You're a walking, talking brand. I know. It's disgusting. The tenor of your jokes, I would say. We're avoiding that word brand. No mm. more brand. The tenor of the your tenor jokes. The tenor of my jokes. Wow, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. The tenor of your comedy, even, um, I would say, like, leans towards that more, like, raunchy, incredibly Australian form of humour. Do you think there's, like, a real appetite for that, like, almost, like, hyper-local type of content that, that people are just eating up in Australia right now? I think so. It's certainly nice just to, I mean, Inspired Unemployed are like massive mm. and they, um, like they're, they're unapologetically Australian. They go hard with that sort of stuff, but it's also genuine, right? Cause they like what they sort of do. They're incredible. Cause they have got this market of like, they do the tradie stuff and they, you know, they're doing like the honest, like blokey Australian hey, stuff. Mate. Yeah, come on, dad. I'm going to show you how to cook a barbie, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this will be good. All right, mate. First off, we want to start her up. Couple clicks, couple clicks. Oh, awesome. Should I put some oil on? Barry, what are you doing? Oh, sorry, Dad. Mate, this shit's poison. It's good for nothing. Get in out of here. And they go and do Vogue. And it all works. Let's talk about brand, because it all works for that brand so well. Oh. My. God. What? What is it? Oh. Dude, we just got an invitation for the GQ Men of the Year Award. What the hell is GQ? You no, know, it's like the male version of um, Vogue, that magazine. What, Vogue, the fashion magazine? That means Tommy Hyfiger's gonna be there? Gooky? Louis Vuitton? This is massive, man. Don't forget about those Victorian models. You know the ones from down south? The secret ones? Yeah, the Victorian secret models. We need to get suits right now. Type in Dolce & Cabane in me. And it's like, how did you manage to honestly and earnestly do Vogue and Aussie bloke going out for a night out? It seems like it wouldn't hit the market or something would seem a bit forced but it's just what they like and I, th I think when you're like earnest with it, whatever your brand is even if it's something that might not be like logically popular people just sort of like honesty mm. like I'm sometimes ra yeah raunchy I, a bit I use naughty words and stuff I my mum doesn't like it so much but I do some clever ones <laughs> sometimes that she likes so I feel like that's sort of my truth brand that I just have in my head and I'm like okay this is this is honest for me, so I'm going to do it. So even if it's weird, people kind of respond to it. Hey girl, what's your favorite film? She said the best movie of all, a masterpiece of our car.
Let's talk about Triple J, obviously. Um, <laughs> two of your songs ended up in the top 20 of this year's Hottest 100. And I do feel as if it was almost a shock to people who had been trying to predict the Hottest 100. I mean, like, I obsessively check 100 warm tuners to see whether I can win money on sports bet by, by betting on, like, whatever songs are going to win. But I feel as if it was, like, a surprise. It, it, it hadn't been predicted by anyone. You, were, you yourself were also, like, surprised by just how high, just how beloved these songs were by Triple J listeners and voters. Yeah. A few songs got played on Triple J. Why Am I Anxious got played a few times. Businessman actually got played a few times. But the two songs that got into the Hottest 100 were H-Y-C-Y-B-H. When my roommate comes into the room looking for his car keys, I don't say it yet. It's a bit shameful to say the full title. And then when he says out loud, I wonder where my car keys are, I still don't say it. But then he asks me, do you know where my car keys are? I look at him in his face and I say, Have you checked your bottles? Get up, get up, bottles. I've not seen your keys, but since you're asking me, you better check out that bottle. And mixed messages. Romance needs clarity, but baby, that don't work for me. I'm sending... I guess what helped me not be as surprised about it is when I put the album out, my intentions were not to like progress or anything or like grow or like become something else. It was just that I had all the songs, would have taken like an extra week to put it all together. And I was like, this will be like a nice thing for fans who actually like me to be like, oh my God, they have an album now with artwork. And it's like a cool sort of thing if you're a nerd. And then when I put it out, I noticed that I was getting just heaps of streams. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. This is not just for like 5,000 people like I thought it was going to be. What about the actual financial aspect of it? And like, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to give me exact. You want to know what, how much how much I'm earning, buddy? Is that what this is about? POV, I'm the ATO. <laughs> how much are you earning? No, um, um, I'm pretty lucky that like YouTube advertisements actually are pretty good. So whenever you see a video of like a, if it's an independent person, there's an ad at the start. Be a little angry. It's annoying. But also think you're helping this person that's probably not getting any money from elsewhere. So good on you. Um, feel feel nice. But that's that's a nice thing. And I'm really glad. What else? How else does a guy like me make money? Um, a little bit on merchandise. And then, and then I go do freelance songs for other people as well. You're also writing your second album. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, again, very powerful. It will make uh, it will make the world turn. I feel like I've learned a lot from the platforms, and I make a lot of assumptions based on that of what people like or what people are into or what will work best. And I've found that I try not to do what I expect is going to be popular. Sometimes I do inevitably, and I've found that as long as I'm making myself laugh, entertaining myself, and having a good time in the process, that is the stuff that I'm proudest to put out. And ironic, not ironically, but coincidentally, will connect with people the most. Tom, I have one final question for you. You know, you've been keeping me company this entire time. I am going to ask you to just fill in for my host, 
one final time. We do a segment called Top of the List where we recommend to our listeners one concept, show, music, album, book, et cetera, et cetera, anything that they should be consuming. What is at the top of your list? Okay. Top of my list is what we do in the shadows, the TV series. I'm going to suggest you get into that because, you know, um, if you haven't seen it, based off the movie by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, um, the Flight of the Concords, gay. And it's just wonderful, like, dry uh comedy it's like if you if you like the australian comedy it's like new zealand comedy is just like australian comedy but like a little drier and like sillier in a way which i I love so much but it also has wonderful matt berry who's one of my favorite comedians um actors an incredibly strong voice wonderful plot beautiful humor i give it five stars out of five enjoy a perfect answer Michael, you tell me right now, what is your number one top of the tops or whatever we call it? Top of the tops. We should just call it top of the tops. I feel like it's about a top of, top of my Stop list. Stop stalling. I know you're trying to, you're trying to stall. <laughs> tell me what the thing is. It's a book called Cold Enough the Snow by Jessica Au. Um, unfortunately, um, it is absolutely not funny and, in fact, extremely sad and quite melancholy. And it's about a woman who goes on a journey to Japan with her mother and learns all about the frosty distance but also the kind of similarities between them. And it's like a nice mother-daughter cultural story. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. It's only 100 pages. Um, so for a, for a reading heathen like me, it was very easy to speed through. Um, it's out now. Thank you so much for coming on this show and keeping me well entertained. Um, and I feel like you've saved me from my loneliness for another day. That's okay. Enjoy your next five days. Bye. Okay, goodbye, Michael. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, you should absolutely subscribe to Save for Later wherever you get your podcasts. And if you hated this episode, you're in luck. Alex is going to be back next week as well. You can also leave us a review, but only if you have nice things to say. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert, Ariel Sedario, and Joe Koning, who also handcrafted the music. Executive produced by Miles Martignoni and Steph Harmon. We're going to be here again next week, working through our tabs once again. <laughs> <laughs>